0: Hi, I'm Olaumi Brigway, and I began to experience all-round supernatural success in my life when I finally accepted that no matter how hard a person works, they will never rise above their level of thinking. Are you looking for transmission from the inside out? Then join me on the Super Abundant Life podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Super Abundant Life Podcast, where we tackle real issues by examining the lives of real people and extracting real life solutions that are rooted in the wisdom of God. This is your host, Olaomi (laughs) Brigway. Hi, this is Allow Me, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Abundant Life Podcast. Well, I say welcome back because if you listen to the last episode, or if you're a regular on this podcast, you will know that we've taken a little break. <laughs> well, maybe not a little break—three weeks to be precise. So we've taken three weeks out without new episodes being published, and that is because. I went on leave and I basically just took a step back um, and also actually one of the things that I realized um, I sort of knew this mentally like head knowledge but I really felt it and I and I gained a conviction out of it while I was on leave is you should always find an opportunity or space to take a step back because when you're involved in something you are so close to it that you actually become blind to some of the key things that need to be addressed so you you begin to develop more blind spots than usual and that's one of the best benefits um, that I received from taking these three weeks. I was apart from obviously resting, etc it was literally being able to take a step back think about the podcast think about um, the direction We want to take it in think about the kind of impact that it's having on the listeners and etc I just maybe really sit down and scrutinize what is being put out there every week Is it having an effect? Is it having an impact on people? Is it helping people? It also helped me really sit and I identified the purpose of it I had a vague idea of what I wanted to do but I think sitting and thinking about it I I was able to hone hone in on the purpose the real purpose of this podcast and it is literally wisdom for living wisdom for living right wisdom from the Word of God which is the best Most superior wisdom you can ever get and then taking and breaking it down and applying it to everyday life That is what the Super Abundant Life podcast is all about Um, So, you know for me now I have much more clarity about that and It's it's literally about moving forward with that new sense of clarity so I'm very happy to be back and based on the clarity that I gained from that knowing that this is wisdom uh, literally taking the word of God breaking it down into wisdom bites which, which is what I call <laughs> wisdom bites I can literally uh, apply to your daily walk in this life uh, I made a decision so I was thinking about it now also inspired by my daughter Maxine who started a YouTube channel um, recently I think while I was on leave so she had been thinking about it and uh, she finally decided to do it and she did it uh, and she's been so studious and diligent with it um that i you know she 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 has she has literally inspired me and one of the things that inspired me the inspiration that i took from her youtube channel is she posts twice a week she posts twice a week and at first i'm like why are you posting twice a week post once a week now and she she said something that was really profound so It's it's you know, it's not like she's like a Mr. Miyagi of podcasts or sorry of YouTube or anything But she had done a lot of research. She had watched a lot of videos read up on Youtubers, etc. And she said something to me and she essentially said that um, Posting once a week she said when you're starting out your first few videos probably your first 20 videos are not that great anyway because you're finding your feet uh you're trying to learn how to edit etc your content is okay it's not that great etc um so if you know already that your first 20 ish videos will just about be all right and after that you have gain more experience and you begin to improve on them why wait 20 weeks to to begin to gain that to gain that experience in order to raise a level of your output so she said by posting frequently much more than once a week at least twice a week You, For example, if you post twice a week, you have the amount of time that it would take you to learn that lesson. Where your first 20 videos, for example, will happen in 10 weeks as opposed to 20 weeks. Or, or for example, if it's your first uh, 50 videos, why wait a whole year? When in six months, if you post twice a week, you can get the same level of experience. And you can begin to improve the quality of your work, etc. And that really got me thinking. It really got me thinking, "Mm, I never saw it like that. Uh, So I thought about it and I thought, do I want to record (laughs) an hour-long podcast twice a week? Uh, No, I don't really have the time to be able to do that. And I don't think my listeners, so my demographic, I don't think... They have the time to listen to two-hour podcasts regularly. I know some people um, will build it into their routine and they will do it. But as in generally, um, I don't think, you know, that to me, it doesn't look feasible. I don't know. Later on, I might change my mind. But I still like the idea of posting twice a week. So the idea that I eventually settled on was, yes, I'm going to start posting twice a week. However, uh, midweek, uh, so I post this particular the usual podcast i used to on mondays so midweek uh wednesday or thursday i haven't decided yet i will post like a short bite size or wisdom wisdom bites i don't know what i'm going to call it yet You you will find out when i release it so like a bite size how to do something very practical probably 10 10 to 15 minutes it won't be longer than 15 minutes i'm aiming for 10 minutes but it might go slightly over than 10 minutes and it literally would be um taking particular topic so for example how do you get your kids to bed on time so from my own experience from research for example how do you deal with a difficult boss so very practical things like that wisdom from the Word of God from experience from my reading because I read a lot from dealing with with coaching clients etc just like no so not too much story like I'm telling now right Um, I've only spent six minutes telling story so no story (laughs) Uh, just very practical um, straight to the point if you do this one two three four take this apply it you will see results in that particular area so that's what we're going to do and so I'm going to begin posting twice a week I'm not going to commit straight away to doing it every week definitely my monday podcast without fail by the grace of god will be released every monday and i'm going to commit to releasing a second podcast within the week but probably not every week so we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes i'm very excited about that i sat down and i thought about and i think i've already written down about 30 topics to talk about regarding that so i'm so super, super, super excited about releasing that for you. So if, in fact, you know, if you have friends that you've been telling them to listen to the podcast, are like, ah, oh, I don't have an hour. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to reach out to them. I say, at least listen to the 10 minutes one. It's only 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's what's been happening to me in the past uh, three weeks in addition to the fact that as part of my leave, I, I, I watched some TV, some, um, he, he, what's it called? I see Hispanic, Spanish, <laughs> like a Spanish telenovela or something like that on, on Netflix. And that's one of his achievements, if you want to call it that, that I, that I, that, you know, I ticked off. Um, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. I eventually, I started watching by myself and then got my daughter on board. And I think, you know, my son and my and my husband maybe watched one or two episodes. But we thoroughly enjoyed it. We thoroughly enjoyed it. But now it's behind me, back to work. So today, I'm going to actually be talking about something quite serious. Um, serious, not in the sense that, you know, you, you're going to leave the podcast sad or depressed. No. But serious in the sense that this is something. This is something. This is... Um, I was going to say, well, let me not use that. It is is something that affects a lot of us, if not all of us. And it's not just about it affecting us. It is something that actually suffocates and paralyzes. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. And that is shame. And I actually cannot believe that I've gone over 70 episodes in this podcast and not talk about shame. Because shame is something that um, I I talk about a lot. I talk about a lot because the foundation of my life has you know uh, is, has come to rest on on one scripture so well more than one one of the scriptures that my life whenever you know I want to think about where my life rests one scripture that says for your shame I will give you double honor so that feeling of shame and the paralyzing effect of shame is something that is very important to me that once I smell it or I see it in people I'm just gravitated to people that are you know bound by shame and I just want to release them I want to set them free you know with the truth of the Word of so it's something that is very important to me and I'm so glad to finally be recording an episode about shame so I've called this one the suffocating effect of shame and how to overcome it right so let's get into this the other day I was having a conversation I was in a conversation with a friend of mine and I made the statement I said well Mio I am cuckoo shameless I'm shameless and she was, she was literally taken aback by that. She said, ah, shameless, how? How can you say you're shameless? That's not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> and I can, you know, you know where, where I grew up, which is in Nigeria, if you say someone is shameless, it was not a good thing. As in, in fact, it was an insult to call somebody shameless. Say shameless man, shameless woman. It was a massive insult right a big insult and essentially it insinuated that the person was completely blind to the way people viewed them so they they were like you're so you're so you're so stupid that you can't even see that everybody is laughing at you you know you are you or 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 the other insinuation is the person is so rotten to the core that they don't care they don't care what people think they don't care you know the consequence of anything they will just keep pursuing something in spite of the shame that is attached to it so for example you know they might say things like oh look oh your husband left you for another woman and you're still running after him and begging him Hmm, shameless woman you know this kind of things right in other words can't you see that people are judging you why would you carry on why would you carry on after everything has happened why would you carry on and that's how people use the context of shamelessness is that's not even the definition of it in the in the dictionary it's the context of nigeria if somebody calls you um, i don't know maybe maybe other countries in africa someone says you're shameless it is a massive insult they're basically saying you you are blind to what is going on around you, you have no shame you have no shame <laughs> which should be a good thing right because the Bible specifically tells us that Jesus Christ took our shame. So it should be a good thing if somebody says you have no shame, but they're saying it in a very negative way and it has a negative connotation attached to it. So, um, essentially I knew, I, sorry, I knew where she was coming from, but I just laughed and I reaffirmed. I said, yeah, so I'm shameless. I have no shame because Jesus took my shame. You see, ever since God opened my eyes to the poisonous effect of shame over 10 years ago I have continually strived to be in a state of shamelessness that is that is one thing that in any season of my life I keep checking I said are you you know is there any kind of shame that that is trying to attach itself to you and I'm very quick I'm very very quick to, to to identify it and to immediately begin the process of getting that shame off me, right? Because remember, growing up, you do something wrong and they say, shame on you, shame on you. No, these words are injurious. These words are dangerous. They're dangerous. So someone might say, all right? I, I'm just playing devils advocate here. Someone will say, ah, oh, you need a bit of shame now. You need, you need a bit of shame so that you don't go off rails. I don't, I, you know, when people say things like that, that it's not good to be absolutely shameless or without shame, I don't think they truly understand what shame is. And I'm going to actually break it down in this podcast. Because shame and remorse, for example, are not the same thing. Shame and even guilt are not the same thing. Right? So they might say, oh, you need, you need a bit of shame. Now, if you don't have shame, Right, then you can literally go off rails. And to that, I say, No, you don't. (laughs) You don't need shame. Shame is a destructive force that Satan will use to steal your joy, your peace, your prosperity, and even your destiny if you allow him. Trust me, I know I've been there. As in, literally, everything I just read out. So, joy peace prosperity and my destiny the the injection of shame into my life literally stole all those things until god literally began began to peel back the layers of shame and then restored me back he stored everything that satan had stolen back into my life and I keep going on and on about this before I go into, um, before I begin to unpack this thing, because I, I I need us to truly, truly understand what shame is. Did you know? Let me tell you how important or how dangerous shame is. Did you know that the only thing that was potent enough to stop Jesus from going to the cross was not the pain of crucifixion. It was not the rejection or the betrayal. Do you know that it was shame? If anything could have stopped Jesus from going to the cross, say, I'm not doing it again. Oh yeah, I'm not doing it again. Oh yeah, angels, come and carry me to heaven. Okay, enough. Oh, I'm not doing it again. Okay. Father <laughs> said down the angels were taking a joy ride like Elijah back to heaven. Enough of this. It was not the pain of crucifixion. It was not the fact that he was going to be rejected or betrayed. It was shame. And I have proof. Hebrews 12.2 says, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this. For the joy set out for him, he endured the cross. right? Why did he endure the cross? He disregarded its shame. The shame of the cross is disregarding its shame, he endured the cross. And has then taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Why didn't he say he he disregarded the pain of being nailed to the cross. The physical pain. Or the fact that everybody left him and his heart was broken. The Bible didn't say that. If that was the case, it would have said it. The Bible says that it was the shame of being crucified like a common criminal. When he knew who he was. That almost made him not want to do it. That almost, it wasn't the pain. It wasn't the fact that he was flogged. There was pain there. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying, when he weighed everything, the thing that was actually dangling, the temptation was, ah! See, so listen, you know. And to, to also prove this to you, you remember when one of those people came and they were standing at the foot of the cross, they were like, oh, you, you, you saved other people. Save yourself! I mean human beings can be so rubbish sometimes i mean ugh, anyway Like well, save yourself so it was the fact that i have all power i can literally send thunder now and wipe out everybody here but the shame the shame of being Treated like a criminal, that was potentially what could have stopped Jesus. If shame was the main thing that could have stopped Jesus from dying, from doing the most important work in all of creation and all of humanity put together, then shame is definitely something worth studying. And shame is something you really, really, really don't want on you. Okay? Shame is super. Powerful. It is super powerful. And in this episode, I'm going to unpack the real effects of shame in our lives and how you can overcome it to live a shame-free life. Okay? So I'm going to start here. I'm going to start here. What shame is not? This is why people get confused because they confuse shame with other things, most likely remorse or guilt. And I'm going to show you the difference out of the two. Or the three I should say so shame is not remorse to be remorseful is to feel sorry about something you've done so something you thought you thought something like, oh, I shouldn't have thought that about this person so something you thought said or done right that's remorse remorse is oh you did something or you said something or you were thinking something and you're like oh I feel bad I shouldn't like I, I, you know I, I sh- that's not something I should have said done or thought And remorse usually leads to some kind of action to correct it. So, okay. And I'm going to show you the difference between shame, remorse, and guilt. So, remorse is I feel sorry that I did this thing. I feel sorry that I said this thing to that person. And you literally go to them and say, I'm really sorry. You know, I shouldn't have said that. That's remorse. Remorse leads you to action, to repentance. Guilt is different from remorse. Right? Guilt is also, you know, it's an internal judgment upon yourself when you've thought, said, or done something that you count as being wrong. So you feel guilty, you know, it's it's a judgment that you place upon yourself. But the difference... It sounds similar to remorse, doesn't doesn't it? But the difference between guilt and remorse is remorse will lead you to say, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Then you get up and you go and rectify it. You at least try and take a step to change the outcomes. Guilt on the other hand, literally just keeps you trapped in condemnation. That is why guilt is another thing that you definitely don't want to play with, right? Guilt holds you in prison. It literally keeps you trapped. You don't do anything about it, you just feel guilty. Just like you just literally feel guilty. And a lot of times, the things that we hold ourselves in prison for, in the prison of guilt, you can't even do something about it. All right, maybe it's in the past, maybe the person has moved on. You can't even do something about it, but you still hold yourself trapped in that prison of guilt. So that's remorse and that's guilt. Okay, now what is shame? What is shame? All right, let me use an example to tell you the difference between guilt and shame, for example. So there's a woman, so the woman whose marriage ends in divorce, okay, may beat herself up for what she perceives to be her part in the breakup. That's guilt. So she feels guilty, Uh, you know, maybe, you know, what I did, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. She plays this thing over and over in her mind and she feels guilty. The marriage has already broken up his Do you understand? So the guilt is not moving her to go and maybe try and reconcile with her husband. No, no, no. Guilt just literally keeps you trapped. There's no forward or backwards with guilt. You literally just stay in prison. So that's guilt. Feeling, you know, that feet, you know, that feeling. Um it's it it it's it, it, it's a it's a trap. It's almost it almost holds you like a trap, right? Now, this is shame, but then there's that feeling paralyzing fear of being judged by people as a failure as for example someone who could not keep a man that shame shame is the perception is the judgment of people upon you guilt is the your own judgment upon yourself do you understand that now why guilt is easier to deal with as opposed to shame is because you can literally sit yourself down where guilt is concerned and and you know, you can list out all the facts and literally speak to yourself and say Why am I feeling guilty and you list everything and you can rationalize it and say It doesn't make sense for me to be feeling guilty. Okay, even if I feel bad I'm going to go and try and correct it because you can have a conversation with yourself but why shame is so dangerous is because it's the perception of other people of yourself it is you perceiving people judging you and are you going to speak to the whole world do you understand? Even if you go and try and speak to a few people and say, oh, no, absolutely not. You know, nobody's feeling that way or thinking that way about you. We just want to support you. Nobody thinks you're a failure, etc., etc. Something inside you will still come and say, even if these two people that I spoke to think like that, you haven't spoken to everybody in that company. As a result of that, there's still the possibility of you making up these things in your mind or Satan injecting these ideas into your mind that people are judging you. That's why shame is a lot more dangerous than guilt. Because guilt, you can sit down with yourself and say, listen, why am I feeling guilty? And resolve it because it's you. Shame is your perception of the judgment of people. And that's the difference. That's why shame is extremely dangerous. Okay. So I've said what shame is not. What is shame? Someone defines shame as, as that uncomfortable sensation that you feel in the pit of your stomach when you feel when it seems you have no safe haven of from the judging gaze of others I'll repeat that the person says shame is the uncomfortable sensation that you feel in the pit of your stomach when it seems you have no safe haven from the judging gaze of others it says that shame makes you feel small and bad about yourself and you wish you could vanish that's how someone describes shame and for me it is a perfect depiction of what shame will do to you notice the kind of word so it's a personal feeling it's something that you are feeling in in you know based on what you perceive that other people are thinking about you so it's, a, it, it's, your, it's your view of the judgment of people that are being passed over you, that's one. It says that you feel exposed. You feel exposed. You know, people. So for some people, they can handle guilt better than they can handle shame, because guilt. If you do something and nobody knows about it, you can. You say it's a. It's a. It's private. You can feel guilty, but it's so private. But the moment there's a risk that someone else will know about it you know they may have been carrying the guilt for a while once shame enters meaning it it's exposed for other people to come and then judge you people just flip like no i don't want anybody to know that is that is how powerful shame is so he says there's no there's no safe haven you feel exposed because once somebody knows shame kicks in and it tells you that people are judging you people know what's going on etc So it's in full view of people's judgment and what happens, you will just want to vanish. You want to run away and hide. Because everywhere you turn, shame can can get you to the point where even people that have not heard anything that's happened, you look at them and you think, okay, that's what they're thinking about. They looked at me funny. Meanwhile, the person is lost in thought. They're not even thinking about you. They didn't even see you. But your perception of their judgment is keeping you trapped in shame that is how shame works so you can see when i say that i'm shameless (laughs) i have a right to say that and to continue all the days of my life to strive to be in a place where i'm free of shame i'm free of shame the bible says in Colossians that jesus took the shame of us and he nailed it to the cross you don't have to walk around life with shame with a cloak of shame all right uh why not i have three paralyzing or suffocating effects of shame that i'm going to talk about so from this point on there are two more parts that i'm going to uh, talk about so the first one is the suffocating effects of shame what does shame now that we know what shame is what effect does it have on our lives and second the second part is how do you overcome shame because it's not uh, beneficial to you for me to come and say these are the effects. Um, I need to be able to tell you how to overcome it because this is exactly what I've had to do in my own life as well. I lived deep in shame, buried, as in Satan sh- <laughs> just literally had my number, literally had my number, and was just dialing and calling me, anyhow, with shame and with guilt and condemnation. Okay, so the suffocating effects of shame i have three right the first one the first thing that shame will do to you is did you know did you know that most of the things that we fear are rooted in shame did you know that okay so things like fear of failure fear of visibility fear of success fear of judgment etc etc fear of this one fear of that one fear of whatever it is They are rooted in shame. What do I mean? So you say fear of failure. Fear of failure is stopping me from stepping out. I don't want to step out because I think I fail. But if you really think about it, think about it deeply. Is Is it the failure that you're afraid of? Or is it the judgment of people when you fail? Because a lot of us, if there's private failure, we don't mind. Do you understand? That's why, you know, somebody starts something and they don't want to tell the whole world that they started a business because if it fails, the whole world knows that they failed. If it's a private failure, it's, it's not that bad. It's only me that I know. No problem. I can deal with it. But once people start knowing about it, so what is really the root of it? It is shame. So I'll tell you that fear of failure is actually fear of shame. It's not the fear of the failure. Because there are people that have become shame-free that they do not fear failure. Do you understand? So they will go out and if they fail, they fail. Like, okay, I'm coming back. In fact, the failure will fuel them and the people's judgment and opinions of them, rather than make them feel ashamed, they use it as fuel to actually propel them and say, watch, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the best at this. So fear of failure is really a fear of shame next one fear of visibility again it is rooted in shame why are you afraid of being visible because the more visible you are the more people that will be witnesses when you fall flat on your face that's what's holding you back it's not the visibility it's not that you are shy why don't you want to make the presentation at work your boss has been telling you i i want you to you know go and present to the whole team be visible etc and you say no fear of public speaking no that's not really what you're afraid of it's not the public speaking it's the shame that is attached to the fact that if you go there now and you start talking nonsense and people start talking behind your back it's the shame that you are really afraid of there's also fear of success fear of success Because people think, oh, if I succeed, will it last? Again, it's not really the success that you're afraid of. What you're really afraid of is if I succeed and it doesn't last, it doesn't end there, what will people say? So it's the shame of knowing that, ah, see, one hit wonder. See, the person came, flash in the pan, she's gone. That is what you are really afraid of. So it's a fear of shame. Fear of judgment, that is clearly a fear of shame. You will not do anything because you pe- you think people will judge you. That's shame. Okay. So mon- most of the fears, right, that hold us back from stepping out, from doing wonderful things in our lives, from fulfilling purpose, from, d- you know, that dream you've been carrying around, you know, a lot of those fears are actually rooted in shame. Because if someone gave you an opportunity and said, go and live your dreams and listen until you build it to a multi-billion dollar Uh, company in private nobody needs to know about it a lot of us will jump at the chance that's the truth you would not fear failure if it's a private failure if nobody knows about the failure what's really doing us is you know that you have to go out there for you to be successful you have to put yourself out there and in putting yourself out there you're gathering an audience and once you have an audience you are afraid of the judgment they will pass on you should you fail or should that thing not succeed So it's a fear of shame. And what is the effect of this fear of shame, okay? What's the effect of it? It will stop you from trying new things in case you fail. It will stop you from trying new things in case you fail. So a fear of shame is you don't want to experience it as a result of that you protect yourself and you hide away from anything that will expose you to people's judgment. So you basically just keep going, towing the path that you have always told. You don't, someone is trying to tell you to take a step out of the comfort zone and do things slightly different. You don't want to do it because if you do something different, you gather an audience. Eyes fall on you and you're like, oh my goodness, what if I fail? I'm going to feel ashamed. It's the fear of the judgment that your own perception of people judging you. Do you understand? I want my child to do well. You know, I want my child to go to the best school, etc. We have to really sometimes think about the motive behind those things, you know, because sometimes it is a fear of shame. It is a fear of shame. Do you understand? So one, one effect of having or carrying around that fear of shame is you will not step out and do anything new. I've said that. The second one is you will not start small. Let me explain that. So you have a business idea or promotion or whatever it is. You have something you want to do. Now remember, the moment you step out, you have an audience. So the thing is, instead of you to step out and start small, right? But you know that once you step out, you gather an audience. You know, if you you talk about it, at least one person will start listening. Now the thing that stops people from actually stepping into their destiny or their purpose is this. It, they don't want to start small. They want to go big so that people are not disappointed with their results So someone that does not he's starting a new thing. They've never done it before Right, they've, they don't have any experience in that thing, but because maybe they've been successful in another area This is a new venture They have people that they think have expectations about how well they should be doing so they think we need to go big do you understand oh I, I want to do something so i'm going to go and rent a hall that seats um uh 5000 people meanwhile you've never held a seminar before do you understand so you think i'm going to go big why because i don't want people to come and say ah oh, see see this small sort of jagga jagga you know space that this person went to rent oh, ah there was only five people there ah no you know do you understand So that idea of starting small, because you know there's an audience that may judge you, you don't want to start small and grow. You want to go big from the beginning. And nothing in this life, even God, right, starts big. He starts small. Jesus came as a baby. Do we understand? So those are the effects of walking around life with the fear of shame. The second one, the second suffocating effect of shame is this. (laughs) Oh boy, this shame thing, eh? Shame disfigures, it disfigures, it distorts your self-image until you become a shadow of who you really are. Oh my goodness, have I experienced this? I was trapped here in this one, this particular suffocating effect for years. You become a shadow of who you really are. A shadow of who we let me give you an example from the Bible. David. David. <laughs> David. And I'll use this to so actually sh- also show you the difference between guilt and shame. David went and carried somebody that was not his own. Okay. if I asked myself, what was Bathsheba doing having a bath naked outside, Abby? Was she not outside? How, how did David see her? Anyway, and the story for another day. So he went and carried somebody else's wife and he said, "Ah, oh, I like." And he carried her, slept with her. When he slept with Bathsheba, he would have thought about, it and, "Oh my goodness, I shouldn't have done that." Uriah is actually loyal to me. What he fighting? Blah blah blah. That was guilt. It was too private. Do you understand? It was too private. It was still private. Nobody knew. He felt guilty. He knew he had sinned. He knew that he had done something wrong. Do you understand? But it was like, that's still private. Now look at this. See, see what shame does. See what shame does. When Bathsheba found out that she was pregnant, it suddenly stopped being private and it then became public. In nine months or less depending on when she found out there would have been a very in fact what am i saying nine months by maybe three months or something she showed her husband say "Eh, who gave you belly where did you carry this one from right very public something like that do you understand so it's it's changed from only just being guilt which is a personal internal condemnation judgment of yourself to being other people in the mix now judging you so he went from just being shame sorry guilt to being guilt and shame and the guilt did not make uh did not change david listen to what i'm saying the guilt did not make him do anything drastic please listen this is the if you understand this a lot of the things that we this thing has been using to to wreck lives honestly you will be free from it today the guilt guilt in itself you know i i I think i've talked about guilt before it is toxic it's not good but listen to this david when he was still between him and Bathsheba, he didn't he felt guilty he felt like oh but once he became a public failure and shame entered into the mix david that was someone that was after god's heart david that was absolutely devoted to god who would never in a million years would never have done what he did guess what happened in trying to cover up the shame what did David do he turned into a murderer he committed the most atrocious crime he went and killed the husband of the woman why because he wanted to cover up the shame do you understand so the sh- the shame consumed him to the point that he was literally morphed into something that I'm sure he Almost like, like he's standing outside of himself and observing himself carry out all his actions, like, oh my God, how did I get here? That's what shame does. Shame literally distorts your image. So the person starts to carry out certain things, like, ah, I don't understand why you're acting this way. Right? Confidence plummets. That is what shame does. That's an example. David became someone that was so devious. You read about him and, like, oh my goodness, how did he get here? It was shame. I'll give another example. This one is real life something that happened to so a friend of mine who is a medical doctor. Um, so he was, he was, th- there was an oppression or something like that in theater and essentially he made a mistake. So very clearly he made a mistake again, difference between guilt and shame um, as a result of the mistake, the Patient went into cardiac arrest or blah 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 blah. Um, they basically, you know, saved the, the patient, but it was like touch and go for a while. Um, they could have lost the patient, so um, obviously, he was feeling guilty. But now, get this one of the surgeons that was in the room with him, all right, he's also a surgeon. Another surgeon that was there basically, do you know what that guy did? So that's why he said the public the public failure is what makes seem so bad this person literally humiliated him in front of the whole team so after you know after the operation they basically worked very hard to save the patient blah, blah, blah. they went back to the staff room and right there and there with everybody in the department or almost everybody this other surgeon basically starts to raise his voice and was shouting i was going on here in the uk or saw even nigeria right and was you know talking about how You are this, you are that, blah, blah, blah. And basically just humiliated this person, this friend of mine, humiliated him in front of, you know, all the other surgeons, in front of the nurses, in front of the potters, as in literally made sure that it was a very public shame. Now he was already feeling guilty because he made a mistake, right? But the gravity of the shame, right and the kind of words that surgeon used like incompetent uh da 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 you know words that were like you don't know what you're doing you're just here you don't know what you're doing you know where did you go to medical school kind of thing the shame was so heavy the guilt is different right but it was the shame it was a shame someone that was very confident in their skills someone that was doing extremely well before within Like three months became a shadow of himself. The confidence was completely gone As in the confidence by time we had this conversation, you know, he was basically telling me that as in to He was afraid. He couldn't go in and perform any kind of operation. The thing had completely distorted his image of himself. He started out as someone that was very competent. He was confident. He had an image of, I'm one of the best at what I do. I love saving lives. I love helping patients. To the point where he didn't even have the confidence to step into an operating room why because he said every time he walked in that hospital he felt that everybody from the receptionist to the bookshop people to this one were looking at him and judging him that's what shame does that's what shame does and it was literally you know you know taking thank god it was a christian taking the word of god and real Affirming his identity. That was the only way he was able to get out of that thing because otherwise that thing would have completely destroyed not just his career, it would have destroyed other areas of his life as well. That's what shame does. It distorts your image of yourself. Okay. Number three, the third paralyzing or suffocating effect of shame is that shame stops you from being vulnerable or a fear of shame stops you from being vulnerable and getting the help you need. So someone says, ah, I don't want people to judge me. I'm struggling. Oh, <laughs> I know I'm struggling, but it's fine. I was struggling in private. I don't want anybody to know about this. So I'm not going to tell anybody anything. I spoke, um, at a few conferences during my leave and one in particular, I was talking, you know, at a parenting conference about vulnerability. And I, and I, and I spoke, you know, and I talked about being vulnerable with your children and, you know, a couple of people were like, if you're vulnerable, one day, one they throw it back in your face, one they?" And the, you could, I could tell that the idea of being vulnerable was, <laughs> was a big deal because of these same things, a fear of shame. Like children, you look at you and say, really, you did that, right? That's what keeps us back from being vulnerable. From being vulnerable. But the truth of the matter is, the more vulnerable you are, obviously to the right people, oh, please be led. Don't be vulnerable to, to the devil. Because some people are, honestly, Satan, he will just use them to, to eat your lunch and pop the bag. Be led. But there are certain people that God has placed in your life that you, you must open up to. Forget the shame and just open up to them because if you keep carrying that thing, it literally can destroy. Do you understand? says pride goes before a fall. So shame will prevent you from being vulnerable. From being vulnerable and saying, okay, do you know what? I'm struggling here. Because you don't want the person to judge you or you don't want people to judge you. right? And the truth of the matter is, if we are vulnerable, if we open up to the right people that God has appointed, rather than judge you, they embrace you, and they gently restore you back to where you're supposed to be. Okay? An example from the Bible is the prodigal son. Why did he wait till he was almost eating the yoko, yoko that they were giving pigs? Have you seen pigs? As in this, they, they're dirty and they smell. And that... Thing they give them to eat. I, I don't even know how somebody that can call that food, even if it's for an animal Johnson, he was about to eat that stuff. Why did he wait till then? he was shame. it was shame. He would rather have eaten the, the nonsense they give pigs than go back to his father. but then thank God, the Bible says he came to himself. he was like, ah, wait, yes, yeah, shame, shame pack to one side. oh yeah pack yourself to one side, I don't care whether whoever sees me, I'm happy to be a servant. He removed, he packed the shame to one side, I said, before I come and die here, I better go and be vulnerable, okay? So that's what shame will do. So three things, as I said, a lot of the fears that we face are rooted in shame and as a result of that, we never really move forward because we are afraid of shame, of being judged by people. Number two, shame disfigures or distorts your self image until you become a shadow of who you really are. And number three, shame stops you from being vulnerable to the right people at the right time and getting the help that you need to be able to be restored or to move forward. So lastly, I'm going to talk about how to overcome shame. How do you become shameless? Or shame free if that shameless thing is still disturbing you, okay? <laughs> it's because of your Nigerian brain, or it's because you you know you've you've had people being abused as being shameless. But the truth is we should all wait, we should all strive to be shameless. So, how do we overcome shame? There are two things, and I as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I don't go and read things in the book and then come and say this is how you overcome shame. I am telling you the true things. That God took me through that helped me overcome shame if you haven't you know if you've been listening to this podcast you know my story if you don't know my story go and listen to episode 1 it will certainly bless you I had the child out of the wedlock when I was in my early 20s just literally finished university and it wasn't just about having a child out of wedlock it was you know someone that was a pastor um, on campus someone that was fervently serving God and all those other jazz basically so there was a lot of shame okay <laughs> it was shame time to the root of to the power of one billion the shame was deep and i carried that shame for years until god helped me set me free so there are two things that you must do to remove shame from your life to free yourself from shame the first one the first one is you establish yourself in this truth, God welcomes your shame. <laughs> the first time my eyes were opened, oh my God, to that truth, that God is not like people. People will say, Shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. You should go and hide, you go and bury yourself in one dark hole and never come out again. That's how people react except someone whom the love of God, the compassion of God is working through, that will react like God. But God says, oh, you feel ashamed, bring that shame. God welcomes your shame. He wants your shame. And Satan's ploy is he he baits us in shame. He throws the slime of shame on us so that you can run away from God because you see God the way you see people. When there's shame on somebody, the person runs away from people and the judgment of people. So Satan uses that ploy to actually get you away from the help that you need. The word of God says, come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. What did he say to come and get first of all? He says to obtain first of all, mercy, then to find grace to help in the time of need. So the first thing you receive as you come into the presence of God is the blood of Jesus who washes you clean. Mercy is the first thing you come in contact with every time you go into the presence of God. But Satan has a way of clouding our judgment and our minds with the fact that I feel ashamed God does not want to see me God has said get out of here go to your room that's how I felt for many years that God has banished me to my room like a little child I said I don't want to see you just go and it wasn't true then God began to show me the scripture that I mentioned in the beginning it says for your shame oh, I will give you double honor do you know what God showed me he said to me the reason why I said for your shame I will give you double honor is because what qualifies you for double honor is not perfection. It is your shame. Ah, the day I saw that, I just jumped up from my bed. I was dancing and singing and rolling on the floor. God showed me that what qualifies you for double honor, for double prosperity is your shame. Okay. He said, I will give you beauty for what? For ashes. I will give you the garment of praise for for heaviness so if i have heaviness i exchange it for the garment of praise if i have shame god is saying come just bring that shame bring it to me and i will exchange it for double honor and you know god now went a step further to show me something so profound he said you've been carrying the shame of having a child out of the wedlock for all these years he's saying do you not understand can't you see That I am saying that you are not just going to have a beautiful life, a beautiful marriage, a beautiful anything you want to think of despite the fact that you have a child, but because you have a child. That's what it means when I say for your shame. So give me your shame and I will give you in return double honor. So basically God showed me, he said, this thing that you've been hiding and feeling ashamed about. He's saying, it's not, it is the reason why. So, if this had not happened, I, I, I'm not sure, I can't guarantee. That's what God was showing me. He said, it is because of that shame that you will get double prosperity. So, what have you been ashamed about in your life? Do you understand? You failed at something right you failed at a business you failed in the career you thought you'd be further along than now you've been carrying the shame your marriage is on the rocks or even broken up and you say oh i feel ashamed i feel ashamed god is saying listen the shame of that failure i need it bring it to me and it is because of that shame that you will get double honor and do you know what once i so the first thing is you establish yourself in that truth you take the word of god you take the shameful thing and you say because of this shame i enter into double honor god converts the shame into double honor. you begin to confess that scripture over your life taking that scenario of shame do you understand until you see it reversed and that's what i did the thing that i was carrying and thinking because i have a child I do i can't have a beautiful marriage i can't have a beautiful life let me just accept whatever it is i can have a partially nice life but nothing like the dreams that god had put in my in my heart as a child but i began to reverse it god said no 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 no. you know i'm it's not like i'm going to have small mercy on you and despite the fact that you have a child you're still going to succeed he Said no It is because you have a child that you're going to have a beautiful marriage, that the most wonderful man is going to come. So I began to shift it in my mind. I said, because I have a child outside of wedlock, the thing that some people may consider shameful, that is what qualified me for the most handsome, the most spiritual, the most whatever man that will come to me and that's exactly what happened. Do you know in probably the first or second conversation that my husband and I had while we were still so courting, do you know he said to me, he said, "One of the first things that attracted me to you, guess what?" he said, "is because you have a child." I just my jaw dropped to the ground. I was like, "Ah." And I saw that the word of God is true. The thing that me I thought was would make somebody run away. He said that is why I was attracted one of the first things that i saw that i thought she's going to be a wonderful wife can you imagine so for your shame god has promised to give you double honor beauty for ashes so if you have ashes stop running away from god go and establish yourself in that truth and god will turn it around what's the second one the second one is you like jesus the bible says that jesus despised the shame so you have to despise the shame the shame the f- judgment of people people look at because the truth of the matter let me tell you now people will judge you they will talk about you they will think bad thoughts about you they will speak about you they will say all sorts about you once something is public do you understand you can't escape it it's, there is not. it's not possible that 100% of everybody At all times will be in favor of what you're doing. Um, Do you understand? Will approve of what you're doing. It's not true. Even you, Seth, you don't approve of the people that you love. You are still judging them. How much more? understand so how do you get to the point where you despise the shame what does it mean to despise the shame it means to belittle it to disregard it to count it as nothing in pursuit of whatever it is god has put in front of you so how do you despise shame to pick yourself up and go and do that business again and go for that Promotion again, even though everybody saw how you were passed over by somebody that was three 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 positions your junior And there's a shame of after you know someone She couldn't even get a role like that. Do you understand? You have to despise it and there's only one way You can do that. This is what God taught me and I'm going to teach it to you And I'm going to use the story of the woman with the alabaster box This is literally where God took me to in the scripture to teach me what it means to despise the shame so let me give you a bit of background about this woman. The Bible says that she was a sinner. In fact, you know, if you read all through, another one said the seven demons had been cast out of her or something like that. Um, so she, she, was, she was a sinner. She was a sinner, a prostitute that, was, that had demons. Do you understand? So demons had been cast out of her. Jesus had helped her, etc. And Jesus had been invited to the home of a Pharisee to come and have dinner there. So, other Pharisees were present. Pharisees were like doctors of law. They were experts at law. And not only were they experts at law, at the law of Moses, etc., they were the most revered people when it came to the spiritual things. Do you understand? They were the most spiritual people. They were the higher mighty. They were the ones that people respected absolutely when it came to things of God. Do you understand? So, imagine a room. Dinner table full of Pharisees, let's say the bishops, just that they are sitting there. Jesus is there, they're having dinner, and then one prostitute, or I should say, former prostitute, shows up, (laughs) and the room is packed because the disciples were there too. So it wasn't just the Pharisees that were there, the disciples too were there judging her. They were judging her for a different reason because they were like, why can't she sell this to go and give to the poor? The Pharisees were judging her for her sin. People that saw her, the way she was dressed, everybody in that room was judging this woman. And she wanted to walk. So she entered in through the door and painting a picture. This will literally set you free. So she walked in and imagine how, you know, in movies, how, you know, the, everybody's bubbly, people are eating and drinking and people are laughing, etc. And then somebody walks in and literally all eyes, you know, fall on this woman and there's dead silence and you can see the daggers, you know, in people's eyes as they are throwing her like dangerous, murderous looks like, what is this one doing here? <laughs> can you picture it? I want you to picture it. Everywhere she turned, people were like, how dare you walk into this place? In fact, I believe that it was because they respected Jesus that they didn't immediately push her out and maybe even go and try and stone her. Now she has to get from the door to where Jesus is sitting. Remember what I said. Everybody in that room, except from Jesus is judging her they have their opinions not good opinions because she looked the part she was a sinner they immediately recognized her as a sinner as a prostitute so her restoration was not even complete she was on the way but she hadn't gotten there maybe literally jesus just the day before prayed for her cast out the demons and she was still trying to get her bearing so they saw her and they judged her every step she took right? They were judging her. So that's why I said, wishing for people not to judge you, you are wasting your time because I don't care who you are. Even Jesus was judged. The person that never put a foot wrong in his entire life. And he was so judged that the Bible says, what have you people seen in terms of opposition? Do you understand? So you have, to, uh, you have to accept the fact that you will always have people that judge you. But how do you despise the shame of having all those people judging you, knowing that you have failed? What did this woman do? I believe with every fiber of my being, and I'm going to ask Jesus when we get to heaven, or I'll look for the woman with the labaster box. <laughs> I, I believe this is what she did. I believe she fixed her eyes only on Jesus. So as she took steps, maybe tentatively at first, like tiny little steps, she just fixed her eyes on Jesus. She just kept walking. Even though there were people around her and the shame, you could have cut it with a knife. No, no, no. That's what it means to belittle. So they were throwing daggers. People were talking, whispering. Some may have even spoken out loud and said, Sinner, what are you doing here? She disregarded it. The only way you can ever do that is if you fix your eyes on God and what he has called you so you have to the Bible says for the joy that was set ahead of Jesus how did Jesus belittle the shame he looked at the joy the woman just look I just want to get to Jesus that's the joy that was set in front of her she just put and said listen I don't care I'm going to keep going forward because I know if I can just get to Jesus all of this will no longer matter The same way Jesus despised, he belittled the shame of being crucified like a common criminal because he fixed his eyes on what God said was the joy in front of him. And that's what this woman did. With every step that she took forward, she literally zoned out all those people that were judging her. How? By fixing her eyes on Jesus. And as she did that, she walked closer and closer and closer and closer. And guess what? When she got to Jesus, you know, they had said all sorts, right? And Jesus said, this is in Mark 14. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Oh, when she got to Jesus, basically Jesus said, listen, the judgment and the shame no longer matters. It ceases to be a problem. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why criticizing her for doing such a good thing to me? I tell you the truth. Wherever the goodness is preached throughout the world. This woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. She got her reward She got her reward by keeping her eyes now for me in a practical way. What did I do? What did I do? So first one you can't get to the second one without doing the first one which is to establish your heart in that truth that God is not your enemy God does not judge like the way human beings will do no 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 every judgment that should have come upon you he already put it on Jesus so you are free as far as God is concerned say why are you running away from me bring the shame I want that shame because I need it as ingredient to convert it into double honor for you so you establish your heart you keep your eyes focused so for me for me you know let me use let me use business as an example right so for business it's a daily shame you know opportunity to be ashamed to think oh if this thing fails, you know it's a very public thing your way why people are expecting that maybe I should just is a very public thing but do you know what do you know what keeps me going there's, there are things that god has shown me about the impact that this business that i'm doing is going to have and i don't doubt with any fiber of my being i believe it so much that i keep it in front of me so because i keep it constantly in front of me what god has shown me about where he's taking this business and the kind of impact it's going to have on the world guess what if I have a minor hiccup or people are saying things about me or whatever, it is it is so easy to disregard them, to belittle their opinions and just keep moving forward. Why? Because I can see clearly and I do not dare take my eyes off what God has put in front of me. Because the moment I take my eyes off and I start looking and say, hey, so what are they saying? What are people saying about me? Hey, and what, what did that one say? And I start thinking along those lines, I will absolutely abandon the race because shame is literally that powerful. So that's how you despise shame. How do you overcome shame? Number one, you establish yourself in the truth that God welcomes a shame. He wants to take it as ingredient to convert it into double honor. So the longer you hold on to your shame, the more you are depriving yourself of the outcome of double prosperity that God wants to give you. Not in spite of that shame, not to say, well, look at you, you should be ashamed of yourself, but because I'm your father anyway, I will help you. No, 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 no. no. He said, because of the shame because you have the shame that is what qualifies you for the double honor it's a completely different way of looking at it if you look at it that way you will never be ashamed of your shame again <laughs> you literally run to god and say god see what they're saying about me see how i feel catastrophically and it's a very public failure how can we convert this what kind of double honor can come out of this god oh yeah let's get to work that's how i live my life And number two, like I said, is you belittle the shame by keeping your eyes fixed on the joy. So ask God, what is the joy? What is the thing? What is the promise that will keep you going? Like the woman with the labasta box, she knew that getting to Jesus, there was a reward. So what is the reward at the end of that journey that's going to literally be worth it? So that you can you know, zone out the, the judgment of people and their pointing fingers and all of that. Just for you to keep going until you get to the end. Okay, so I hope <laughs> I hope that has helped you. This is um, uh, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I see you have probably picked up from the way I have talked in this episode. I'm extremely passionate about this. I want to hear your feedback. Contact at allowmebrigway.com or brigway allowmebrigway on Instagram please send me an email or send me a direct message on instagram i'd love to hear from you if you have not given us a rating and a review on itunes or the other platforms that you listen to this podcast on please do so by doing so more people find it and more people can actually be helped by the podcast and as i said we're going to start our second podcast which is a short bite size 10 minutes how to literally practical tips wisdom for you to do xyz all right look forward to that and thank you so much i look forward to being back next week monday for our regular podcast and in the course of the week this week or next week with our first bite-sized episode thank you <laughs> and bye